What's up, everyone? Welcome to That Creative Life. Heck yes, we uh, went kind of on a break there for the summer. I hope you had an amazing summer. And guess what? New episodes are coming back next week. Mondays. We'll, we'll be coming at you every single Monday. So Matt Diavilla is going to be the first podcast guest and we have many epic ones to follow. Um, but I just wanted to say, hey, yeah, set those reminders, hit that subscribe button because we'll be back next Monday. But I also wanted to uh, have a look back on the first 50 plus episodes of That Creative Life. Uh, we've had so many fantastic guests. So I hope you enjoy this kind of look back on some of really, really great guests. Peter McKinnon, Roberto Blake, Kara Hint, CEO, Gary Vaynerchuk, and Damon and Joe. Enjoy these little snippets. Hit that subscribe button. Follow on Instagram, thatcreative.life. And you can also follow along on the YouTube, youtube.com slash thatcreativelife for daily doses of inspo. Okay, enjoy. This is from the Peter McKinnon podcast. I need a job. Like, what do I? What do I do? Peter from State Farm. I can't yeah. imagine having State a Farm Auto Claims. Peter speaking. How may wow. I help you? Just wow. over. State. Yeah, I'll, I'll forward you to the adjuster. State Farm Auto Claims. Peter speaking. How may I help you? Oh, ah, <laughs> oh, climb the corporate how, ladder. How long were you there? Uh, they fired me on the three-month probation day. Wow. Yeah, because I went to New York. Yeah. Tell this. me that story. Okay. So, so you were in this insurance job, just yeah. not feeling it, but you were still doing magic stuff. Still doing magic right? stuff. Uh, the fire alarm went off. The fire alarm went off at State Farm and I was like, please be on fire. If there's anyone inside, God bless, God. good luck, yeah. but please be on fire. Wow. So they marched everyone outside, like single file, like cattle, like we're animals. And we all stood in like the, the terrace, like kind of like the front grass area, like looking at the building and a fire truck rolled up. Two fire trucks rolled up, three fire trucks rolled up. And I started to like have actual hope, like this place might be on fire. This might be the day that I get out. They were in there for like 40 minutes, Sarah. And I was like, it, it, well, it was getting a little nervous. Like this, this is weird. Like I just thought like, like they, do, they do drills and stuff like that, but like 40 minutes, three trucks were all standing out front. It might be on virus. So like naturally I was browsing the internet, yeah. checking out what was happening online. Cause you're outside, you know, with a bunch of adjusters right. and insurance people just like having the most thrilling conversations yeah. and uh i noticed david blaine was doing something in new york because he always does these crazy stunts right like frozen yeah. in ice drowned alive and he did was doing this thing called the dive of death where he was hanging upside down uh in Times square for like three days and then he was going to do something crazy at the end and i was thinking to myself at that point like man wouldn't it just be so cool to like go to something like that instead of just hmm. watching it back on tv and like hearing about it wouldn't it be cool to be there and i was like well new york's only like a 45 minute flight mm -hmm. it's like a it's like an eight hour drive but i could drive to buffalo and then it's like an even faster flight so like the, the gear started going when my gears start going it's like i just like good luck like it's it's locked Same. in it has to be done it has to be mm -hmm. realized so i called my cousin and was like hey man and he's much younger than me at the time i was like matt do you want to go to new york and he's like well when i'm like today yeah, like, let me just ask my mom. And like, goes and asks his How mom. How old are you during this I time? I was like, I'm going to say I was like 20, 21. Okay. Uh, I mean, maybe just 22. And he would have been like 17 or something, 16 yeah. maybe, like really young. And he was like, I'm allowed to go. And I was like, sick. Like, let's buy tickets and and fly uh, fly from Buffalo like okay. into New York. And then we'll just like, where are we going to stay? I'm like, well, whatever, we'll figure it out. Fate will decide. Uh, so I went up to the supervisor and I was like, I just, uh, I hate to do this now. I've just been trying to, I've been trying to hold it as long as I can, but 
I really have not been feeling well. I don't know if just standing outside, it's just, and the keys it's to- It's fire. Yeah, you know? the fire's really got to me. The keys to swallow when you're doing that stuff. So oh. it's not, you're like, I've got Wait. this thing and it's just like, oh. I'm really like, I, I was just thinking if I could take the rest. Oh, that's the rest good. of the day off, right? Without that, I was just thinking if I could I'm take sold. the rest of the day off. Yeah, it just doesn't, yeah, it doesn't yeah, yeah. work. It doesn't work as well. So she was like, "Oh, you sound off. <laughs> oh, you look off. Take too. the Go day. Home. Take the day." And I was like, "Thank you, Brianna. Thank you so much. I don't even know if that was her name, um, but I took the day, got my Mazda protege, and we drove Love to it. Buffalo and flew to New York and had nowhere to stay. My uncle sorted all that stuff. But like, long story long." met David Blaine. I actually met Donald Trump. He was at the event and I told him he was fired when I shook his hand because he was doing The Apprentice at that time and he, and just, he just didn't ignore it. He ignored it. But mm. I was on Conan O'Brien. It was, it was like the greatest thing ever. I was on TV because I was like right at the front because I actually have a tattoo of David Blaine's logo, which is like my favorite Ace of Spades design. Hmm. So that actually is like That's a clever. D and a B. Yeah. So when he saw that, he was like, let's get these guys VIP passes. And then I met all these people in the magic industry that I've always looked up to. Oh. And that was kind of like the doors opening. You know what I love about that? All yeah. you had to do was be there. Just go. Like you just went, just you booked it. the t- yeah. yeah. I, I'm a big fan of speaking things into motion. Yeah. Um. Wow. But it was the first time I really pursued the things that I loved. Right. Photo and magic. And I was like, I'm going, I'm doing this. I don't care what the consequences are. Mm-hmm. This is what I love. So I'm, I'm going for like it. like it was amazing. So I went, it was great. I got back. Uh, Brianna, I'm just going to call her Brianna. It sounds, it sounds right. <laughs> she was like, hey, like, can we just see you down the hall? It's the first thing right away. And I, I kind of knew at that moment, I was like, mm, this doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And we walked, I was like, how's your weekend? Good. I'm like, that's not a normal answer. Like that's a, that's a, you're in trouble answer. They know. They know. During this time though, you're not posting on Instagram. No, Twitter, I had a blog. Though. I had so, an actual blog. It was called, okay. hi, my name is Peter. Okay. And Were I you just... posting about your New York yes. adventures? Mm. But I didn't know anybody at State Farm. Like I ate lunch in my car by myself. Right. I didn't go to like the cafeteria. Like I was like a big loner. Like everyone so was sad. so much older than me. Like Ugh. I worked around like a bunch of like older women that would just complain about their husbands all day. And I would just Ugh. be like. State Farm Auto Claims, Peter speaking. <laughs> like, so uh, I, she opens the door and there's an HR woman at the at the end of the table. She's like, have a seat. And I was like, I'll just pack my things. Like, it's fine. Oh, <laughs> she slides okay. a folder to the end of the table. Like, this is CTU interrogation, right? Tony Almeida, Jack Bauer just <laughs> slides the folder. Tony Almeida, yeah. oh my God. You God saying bless. that name. Yeah, great name. Yeah. And uh, I open the folder, pictures of me and David Blaine printouts of my vlog like my blog they went there they went to that oh site they gosh. printed it out they at least they cared out. yeah you know so i remember that <laughs> she's like i just want to know what this is and i remember saying oh that's just me and dave <laughs> like name drop. we go up. way back you know this is me and dave and yeah. she's like oh okay thought you were sick and the response i this is what i said to her this is what i actually said i didn't realize i couldn't be sick further south from my home. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And right there, she cut me off and she was like, effective immediately, your employment with State Farm. I was like, yeah, okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Oh so I went back gosh. to my desk, grabbed my Jack Bauer action figures, grabbed my little Fight Club bar of soap and wow. all my little belongings, put you them in a box. You have Jack Bauer action figures. I've got two on my shelf at home. I love it. Yeah, it's the best. Yeah. I named my kid Jack, actually, and my dog's name is Bauer. Fun fact. Ugh, amazing. Brought my stuff home and that was the that was the end. And I had to like I had to lie to my parents because I told them that State Farm approved me going to New York. Mm. So it's just like the, the crappiest thing about it was like my parents being like, What happened? And I was like, They actually didn't approve me going to New York. And they're right. like, I mean, it doesn't surprise us. Like, you got fired chasing the things you really care about. Right. So that's what set okay, the next job I get needs to be somewhat related to my interests, mm-hmm. which which spawned Apple. 
But then when that whole apple juice thing happened, I was like, okay, that's not going to work. What's the next best thing? Camera shop. Mm-hmm. That seems like it's it's what I'm interested in. I can see new gear coming in. I can learn about it. Maybe there's people there that have been doing it way longer than me that I can learn from. You get to borrow the gear, like brand new stuff. I could just take it home for as long as I wanted and play mm-hmm. with it and then like put it back on the shelf. Like so yeah. long as you didn't like spit on it and drop it in like, you know, right. water and stuff like that. But it was great. And I learned so much from people there that had been doing it so much longer than me that mm-hmm. I would never have got that knowledge. Like it's I, so different being there with a person to be incredible. able, like I, I had a lot of, when I was learning, I basically had a desk right next to the people who are making all the videos for the weekend at my church or okay. whatever. So whenever I had like personal projects or I was working on stuff for them, I was just volunteering. Literally, I would have five minutes of every hour where I'd just be like, hey, I'm sorry, can you help me with this? How do you do this and how do you do that? And I got so much experience in just being next to someone who like knew it. Yeah, I love learning online. I think there's so many good opportunities with people like you. Yep. But something's just different when you have a real person who is ahead of you in the field. Yeah, Yeah. it's huge. That's why internships, apprenticeships... Exactly. And then we, I made friends with other photographers that I never Mm. had before. I didn't have photography friends. And now suddenly I had like every employee of that shop was my friend. We're going on photo shoots. We're we're helping each other out. We're learning from each other. I'm helping people learn stuff. Old, new, young, old. Like it it was great. So I worked there for two years and then I left to take an internship with a company called Still Motion. Mm which uh, they were just like big wedding shooters. And they were starting to work with the NFL and shoot like the Army-Navy games. And I I don't really know what that is, but it's a big thing in the US apparently. They were doing that stuff and they were working with Callaway and all these big golf companies. And I was their editor. It was just my job was to go through all their backlogged hard drives and just cut in and out points of Hmm. any type of footage that was like salvageable. So I was like picking selects from like four years backlogged weddings. Wow. So I was just like, and that was when like you couldn't sync video and audio like automatically like you had to you had to line it up by like waveform and and timestamp time code you actually had to like it was the worst so you would like sync up the footage make your in out points put in your headphones you'd start watching and the vows would start make your in point out save and just all day and like they had steady cams and all kinds of cool stuff downstairs (laughs) and i was like i just want to go play and they're like all right we're flying to la tonight and i remember thinking wouldn't that be the life yeah flying to LA to, like, to shoot something, to be paid to shoot something. Yeah. Wow. And then fast forwarding to that, I was already ahead because I worked at this old wood factory where like, you know, like crown molding and like mm-hmm. baseboards and stuff. This company just produced baseboards and mm-hmm. it's super lame. I love, side note, the video you did with your buddy who does the wood and the yes. can't, that was really Very cool. cool. Very cool. We worked at the camera shop too. His name's Mike Clark, his company's Hook and Stem. <laughs> That's cool, yeah. But we were at this wood shop and I remember <clears throat> it was right near the airport and my job was to, their conveyor belt would, would spit out a bunch of boards and this guy's job would be to measure them and he would mark it 10 inches. Then he'd measure another one seven inches and then I had 10 bins and I have to drag the seven inch board to the seven inch bin then grab the 10, go back to the 10 and the four and do that all day. Jeez. Then their bell would go off and everyone would sleep for 15 minutes. And when everyone slept for 15 minutes, I'd crack the door open and watch the planes fly out of Pearson. I remember thinking oh to myself, my one day, I want to be on those planes. Wow. So it was just, it's just cool that like, I think being a YouTuber mm-hmm. and being in like the position that both you are in, you and I are in, mm-hmm. no one really gets to hear those stories Mm -hmm. because like we were there too yeah like i'm sitting in a factory while people are sleeping watching planes fly into the air like just like 
I want, I want to get there. How do I get there? Yeah. And it was this manifestation of all of these years leading up to this point where it's like Philip Bloom, filmmaker, mm-hmm. describes my story as you are an overnight success that took 29 years. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, pretty much. Whenever you think someone's an overnight success. It's almost an insult. Yeah. And it's like nine out of 10 times. I promise you that's not the case. Up next, Roberto Blake. This is why Logan and Jake Paul were smart when they exploited the algorithm, is they can tell, YouTube can tell when your channel is responsible for people staying on YouTube longer, specifically. Mm -hmm. They can tell when your video is specifically responsible for keeping YouTube on, people on YouTube longer. Mm -hmm. But they can also tell when your channel and when your videos get people to watch more videos and you are favored and distributed more in YouTube, which means you'll see your YouTube impressions in this new dashboard data go up if you're hitting these specific goals and these markers. Retention rates, overall higher watch time, average view uh, percentage durations, etc. The clip show will help you, the clip shows will help you get over 50% average um, view durations. Mm-hmm. They also help you get more video uh, views on average. Per, it's kind of like in so, retail, average sales yeah. per transaction. Right, it's the right. same thing. So do you do you not think that posting... So maybe I post one full episode a week and then... Uh, yeah. So I'm just posting like every weekday. So maybe like yeah. Monday it's full episode and then Tuesday through Friday it's like a clip. Yep. Do you think that those five minute videos will mess up the watch time of someone watching like an hour podcast, maybe for half the time of 30 minutes. I think it's the opposite because the thing is, if the hour timestamp was intimidating to get them to commit to something, they can try before they buy, right. sample five minutes of that because that's disposable time right. that they have. Because you always have, there's another thing that like I'm starting a conversation around that like no one's talking about, the concept of disposable watch time. The reason that the biggest YouTube stars have a largely young audience is because young people have the longest binge ability to watch YouTube. We have lives, like, right. but like when we were in school, we could throw three to four hours at mm-hmm. a hobby a day. Mm-hmm. Like now, forget about it. Like right. this is our life now. Right. So, so what do you think about? Because my so basically my whole thinking with that is like so much of my livelihood is wrapped up into YouTube. And then you mm-hmm. see these things come along like Patreon with a subscription model that I've always been kind of wary of just because it's like, okay, everything I do is behind the scenes content. So if I if I were to put that stuff behind a paywall, that would just so be my content, that, that doesn't make sense. No. So that's why with the podcast, I'm like, oh, I can actually offer an actual product that's like real value of like the full episode. So it could be that it's early mm-hmm. or because access, like so a lot of people mistake the whole Patreon model. So for here's another thing that you can do. There's a lot of cool stuff that you can do. We talked about like the idea of digital products mm-hmm. without going quite to a digital product yet. There's enough things digitally that you produce that people in your community would be curious enough about to want access of to say that that's worth five bucks. I would Mm -hmm. say reverse engineer the DeFranco elite version of doing Mm -hmm. Patreon and think about it more transactionally, Mm -hmm. but also think about a ladder of support tiers, structure them, tie things to them. And I would take it and separate it from your main general content, but then also more about things that you like make that may not be a finished product that go to market. Things like there's things artistically that you do just as a photographer. So you don't, yeah. So you don't think that that subscription model is for finished products? Because I guess for me, like I don't think it has to be. Okay, because like as a consumer, 
I don't care about getting things early. I'm like, I will view Some them. Some people. And so, yeah, so I'm like, don't. why Why would people care about that? So that's there, why there I have a- There are people who do, but I'm not one of them. Right. There is a market of people that, but it also depends on who the personality is. Some people just have a fixation with being first. Right. Uh, Gary V first in line. Yeah. Like, so there's, there's, but like, I don't, now I don't love that whole exclusivity model on that. For an exclusivity model on content, I believe in membership sites. I mean, but that's also if you're like an educator or a trainer or something like that. Uh, less so of an entertainer unless you're using the pay-per-view model. Mm -hmm. Like if I was Liza Koshy before she got a YouTube Red series, I would have done a Patreon and done live stand-up comedy for mm -hmm. my audience as a YouTube live stream, but make it exclusive and make mm -hmm. it basically buy tickets to that right. every month. Like I do my own comedy hour, I would have branded, I would have made a right. big thing. Higher tiers also get merch sent mm -hmm. to them, included in the package. I would have made a whole thing out of it, right? right? That's a different business model. This is like the thing that I'm really good at is like coming up with these. Like mm -hmm. here's something that I'm starting to come up with for people because we have the new little sponsor button on YouTube. Like there are people who are just doing it to do it and just to support me, but my new thing is like, okay, cool. I'm a Photoshop guy, I'm gonna make cool desktop wallpapers and artwork. Mm -hmm. Like the thing I haven't done in a long time is just shown people my artwork and my like creative like skill because it's stuff I've just been hoarding for myself and putting up like planning to print out and put the posters in my room of my own artwork. Um, and so my stuff that got featured in magazines back in the day, but like giving my audience something that like, oh, I gave you like a dope wallpaper pack for your phone and desktop this month that's themed on something related to our community or to my brand and it's exclusive, that's like a, a really nice thank you. I tied my Patreon to my podcast instead of my YouTube channel and what I do there sometimes is, yeah, it is the early stuff. Sometimes it's also unreleased uh, things where I've less like, ah, uh, you know what? Maybe to distribute to the world, I'm not satisfied with the quality on a technical level of this thing, but the content itself was so good, I want somebody to see it, and so the Patreon people get some exclusivity there of things mm -hmm. that I won't put out into the world. Um, so, I mean, there's, you, like, I will definitely help you figure out this in a granular way, like, offline, just as a homie, mm -hmm. but, like, just think differently and think bigger about it beyond YouTube because the thing that you have that a lot of people don't have is you're a real media company. You are like me, you're like me, you're like Gary, you're some. You're an, a media company embodied, embodied in an individual, right? Mm -hmm. That's a unique skill, but unlike Gary, you and I are both technicians and artists. So in addition to being the talent, we don't necessarily have to get a team of 20 people to be able to churn out and produce different things. You talked about Instagram being curated. You have the ability, I'm not telling you to go out and do a magazine, but I'm pointing out that if you wanted to launch a magazine, a digital magazine, you have the capacity, the capability, you might not have the bandwidth right now mm -hmm. without two people helping, but it would basically come down to two people helping and mm -hmm. come down to a ghostwriter in aggregate of your lifestyle, and then you'd have the peachy mag. Like mm -hmm. that's like that's literally how turnkey it would be for you. Right. Because like I look at these hard drives and I look at your Instagram and I know how many photos don't didn't get posted. Shout out to Kara Golden, the CEO of Hint. I would hear it over and over again, like, oh, you can't do that. Hmm. Oh, you can't produce a product that uh, has any type of shelf life without preservatives in it. Oh, you can't do this. And it was so foreign to me because in the tech industry, it was like, that, yeah, who can we talk to? Mm -hmm. Like, who can we get in the room to actually help us solve this problem? Right. And so it was a great launch pad for when I came to 
uh, launch hint and you know I'd be dealing with our bottler and he'd say no you actually you need preservatives in your product and I had an idea that I want to launch a product with real fruit and also no preservatives in it and they would say oh that's impossible and I kept saying why yeah and because that's keep what I asking learned why keep yeah. asking why and that impossible Ugh, right that just makes me like cringe yeah and and frankly like I think it was very very depressing to me for mm-hmm. the first year because I'm like I don't know if I want to go into CPG because everybody's like telling me no 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 mm-hmm. and maybe they know because they've been in the industry for so long what does that stand for CBG CPG CPG consumer packaged goods so I kept gotcha. thinking that you know, maybe I don't want to be in this industry. Hmm. And then I thought, well, I think differently. And mm-hmm. so maybe I'm the one that actually needs to go and, and, and launch this company around differently and, and do things differently mm-hmm. too. And so so I, you know, I really believe that a lot of the, the culture and the ethos and, mm-hmm. and lots of things that are super important to any startup um, you know, you have to have a great product or service, but I also right. think like bringing in people who think, um, you know, that in, in thinking not like you do necessarily, but mm-hmm. think with a can-do attitude and just go do right, it right. sort of mentality right. is very, very important. And I think that's really cool that you had that experience, you know, AOL, CNN, you were working with people and you had structure around you. So when the time came to bring in people at Hint and add structure into your company, that wasn't foreign to you. Yeah. I know for me as someone who, honestly, I've pretty much worked for myself, like yeah, the my whole entire time, yeah. life. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm 23. I got some years to live. But that's probably the wall that I hit the most is, okay, how do I scale me? And how do I reach out to people to help me with what I'm yeah. growing and let go of things? Yeah. And so I think that's when, you know, very clearly you you are an entrepreneur. But I could see that being so valuable, like your work at AOL yeah. and all the other places, because um, that's so important. Yeah. That, that is so important. Well, and there's no rules to say, I mean, just as an example to you, I mean, there's no rules to say your your business is doing amazing and you're doing lots of great stuff, but it's not to say that you couldn't go inside of a, a company and right. then, like, it, that doesn't mean you failed, right? right. Like, right, right. Um, Julie Rice, the one of the co-founders of SoulCycle, I just read mm-hmm. that she um, just took a job at WeWork as their chief creative officer. Wow. And so when I talked to Julie, Uh, about a year ago she was saying like you know I've founded this great company this movement Mm -hmm. right where like people are you know on board and I don't know what I want to do now because I don't necessarily have the next big idea like SoulCycle so what do I want to do and Mm -hmm. and you know I was a little bit surprised when I saw that uh, she took this role at WeWork and I've been thinking about it over the last 48 hours I'm like no it's really cool like it actually says something about WeWork that you know they wanted to inject something that Julie had and you know and it's not to say that Julie's gonna I mean maybe she will sit there forever Mm -hmm. but it's not to say that she's gonna you know sit there forever either she may need to there's no rules around Mm -hmm. it and so I think that that's um, I mean that's a really good point I would say too that as I was starting to build hint too that people I mean still 13 years later people from my former companies from time from CNN mm-hmm. will like call me and they're like oh my god I just heard like this is your company that's so cool and <laughs> they'll amazing. call me and they'll you know want to do partnerships with me right. they want to you know and mm-hmm. so I think that that's um, 
you know, that it's it's definitely a network that mm-hmm. is, um, you know, helping me think about things and do things and, and yeah. Our fourth look back, Gary Vaynerchuk. Well, you're a big part of my life and a lot of my friends' lives who are not just entrepreneurs, but also artists. Yep. You know, because there is a big side to creativity that you have to attach business at some point if you want to make it your living. And I, so, yeah. I think what's been really interesting, I'd love to get your perspective on this, Cindy. I think one thing that's been really funny at Vayner is I listen to, like, I don't think I ever talked a lot about my creative side, but I have so much creative firepower, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I I have a real crazy, India, I have a crazy affinity for artistic people. I love business and I love getting artists practical so that they are not at the mercy of the machine. Like crushing it is for artists to, like to me here's the question, right? Like there's an amount of money you want to live your lifestyle and then there's like being happy and doing what you're doing and like there's, you know, some people are risk adverse and they'd rather have a job but like to me, it's like, man, there's so like like I'd like to think that Iris and India are happy enough in their jobs that they want to be here as well. But there's a lot of people that aren't happy at their job, and I just think you can make forty-one thousand dollars a year or ninety-one thousand. Forget about millions. Like there's a lot of people out there who make eighty-three thousand a year and hate their job and have to pay their student loans. And I'm just like, hey, if you know more about ACDC than anybody in the world, or you love ACDC, it's weird to me that just like you're starting this podcast, that they could start the ACDC 2020 podcast, and the concept is, we'll be talking about ACDC as we head into the year 2020 and over, like, like there's just so much that can be, and the fact that ACDC merchandise companies may wanna sponsor that one day, or like Ticketmaster, or like, it's just real. I'm gonna make a lot of money. I hate that I'm the example because I'm also a good businessman. Mm-hmm. Like, so people see that, oh, you have to be making millions. Exactly. To, to me, it's like, yeah. fuck no. It, you need to make, if you make 80K and you can make 68 doing it about the Smurfs or about hoodies or about pasta in a Kansas City, that's nuts and it's real. And people didn't believe me when I wrote Crush It. Now they do because they know that there's people who make a million dollars a year about slime. There's people like yourself. Like it's real. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to tell you. It's it's real. With Vayner Media, Vayner Sports, your yes. own team, Team Gary. Yes. Um, a lot of stuff is coming out. You have vlogs almost every single day. Yes. You do the podcast, Ask Gary V Show. Yes. So a big part of that is delegation. So yes. you at one point had to say, I need X Y Z. I need to hire employees for this. So a lot of people who have personal brands who are expanding are hitting this wall me personally of how do I get help to further this you know I, I I'm I need more than just me and so what was that one moment that you kind of had the aha moment of delegation whether it was like that's filming n- for wine library that's never been or- a problem for me okay. ever 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 because I always think about building high key right and so I know that 83% of me or 64% of me is better than me not doing it all you there's no issue with delegation. Like you guys know that you need to hire people, reinvest into your business, all that. It's letting go of the creative, which Bingo. is Bingo. And for artists, they're so romantic and it's mm-hmm. so subjective. I think there's too much ego. I think all of you have too much ego. I really do. Mm-hmm. Because what I'm excited about is if you let somebody else do something, you may learn something from how the audience responds to it. My big thing is I'm not scared. Like what's the audience gonna say? I'm ugly in that shot, I, I'm not funny in that shot, I, I was stupid, like, it's all gonna work out. So I think the big thing for me, Sarah, is very simple, is like, is like, I think you need to trust your team, because they may be right. And guess what, the only person that's right is the audience. 
And if you never try, you don't know. That's good, that's good. You know, and so I think a lot of people are missing, like what if you were passionate about spaghetti, but you're best at, you know, meatballs? Or what if like you're super pretty person, but like the post that mattered was bad lighting and no makeup? Because it just made people feel like you were real for that one second. Like they put you on a pedestal, but it's like nice to see a zit. Or you know, like, I think about that stuff, you know, like, like, I think about it. And the last but certainly not least, Damon and Joe, all of these guys will be linked in the description below. I'll see you next Monday. So we basically wanted it to be a TV show. Mm -hmm. And that was because YouTube, again, wasn't really a thing yet. Right. It was, but it was very like sit in front of your channel, uh, sit in front of your like computer with your Logitech camera and like <laughs> blab. And we never saw ourselves doing that. Story time. Yeah, yeah. So then we're like, we're it's bigger than YouTube, or it's maybe it's not, but like it should be on TV. And so we spent the first two years in New York trying to convince TV executives why a young travel show for diverse millennials and like multilingual kids would be better than an old white rich dude going to the top sexiest beaches that nobody could ever relate to. They thought we were adorable. They were like, oh my God, you guys are so cute. And I'm like, what about my pitch deck? What about season one, two, and three that we have planned? What about these sponsorship ideas that we have? And they turned us down and they were like, well, if you want to show about your love lives, rekindling your like family love or like dramatics, yeah, we were like, we'll give you a show today. And we literally signed like production company agreements with Emmy award winning companies. And then we walked away because all their ideas were like raunchy, like TV wow. shows. And that's when we went to YouTube. So it was like a long journey of like mm -hmm. two years of kind of going backwards to just go forwards right and how cool is it that the option of you taking control of your own videos and your own stuff is the one that worked thank god but i didn't know that so take me like into those rooms that you were in Oof. how did you like, just i mean like how did you dogs like get pink there bags, like, like literal dog in like casting development whatever executive no okay so like how do we get into those rooms so like Damon LinkedIn. and I, we would sit down in a computer room where we're like, we didn't even use the computers. We literally used our own laptops, but we took one video class together and it was one hour a week. And we would like work every day looking on LinkedIn to see who was the executive. Then we would find them on Twitter. We'd try to find their personal email. We'd find them on Instagram because Instagram was just starting and we'd message them on all of the accounts. Wow. And sometimes I'd find the phone number of the office, call the reception desk, lie, asked to speak to so-and-so because they had messaged me on LinkedIn to schedule a meeting. And we literally got our first agent because I lied in a cold call, got a FaceTime meeting, like in-person meeting, wow. pitched them and they were like, okay, great, you're signed. Also though, disclaimer, you have to have a good phone voice and Joe does. She's like a phone very operator. Professional. Yes. Well now I'm like very raspy. I talk a no, lot. We have like competitions to see who can leave like the best voicemail for somebody. G give me a voicemail. Okay, no, I'm not good at this. I'm I hate Joe. talking on the phone. I hate taking phone calls. You know what? It's, it's just, just like because so I have, so I, have a, I have a juicy brand deal for you. Um sell me. Why why do you why? Hi, this is Joanna Franco calling. I'm a co-founder of Shut Up and Go, also the half of Damon and Joe. We have a really successful YouTube channel and I think it'd be a great business strategic partnership for us to collaborate. Would love to get in touch. Give me a call. Here's my number. 
I'll take you <laughs> out to coffee and I'll give you coffee. You co- no, but I swear the main key was, you know how you go on LinkedIn sometimes, maybe people aren't even doing this anymore. You'd go on LinkedIn and some profiles would be private. Mm-hmm. You would find the ones that are public within the same company. You would find the like how they do their emails. Now there the are company. apps for that, I'm sure. Yeah, you find out like how to do th- how people do their emails within a company and like then you first like, initial last name a and dot then, whatever and then you apply it to who wow, you want to talk to we are dropping some practical ish yes, 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 yes. and linkedin everyone's like build your personal brand on linkedin that's like the new instagram for business people it seems like so i am annoyed by the emails i get from linkedin so i never i just never have ventured down that road yeah the key but, is get the information from the platforms and go straight to the source get on the phone yes text somebody message them on like instagram or twitter Mm -hmm. so we did all of that and that's how we got into several meetings in fact like in new york we spent so much time running around that now we don't even like taking meetings anymore because Mm -hmm. we're still like scarred from like right going from place to place you you control your own destiny now too so being in those rooms where that feeling isn't there is kind of like whoa am i going backwards you know but every meeting that we had we would joke around and i guess it's not even a joke it was like we almost it was like you know when you're playing a video game and you have to pick up a key to get to the next level every meeting was like that like the deal would suck or like the conversation might be shitty but you would learn one piece of information that would literally open the door to the next Mm. phase of the journey and so like whether it was a meeting we met with this woman who used to work for mtv and she met with us and she like randomly decided to send us a format of how a tv show is pitched so nothing else ever happened with that woman but after that that meeting we learned how to like actually write a, a tv pitch so things like that kept happening um until we realized like the executives in new york at the time didn't understand the value of investing in creativity because they wanted like hard numbers and return on investment and that's when we moved to LA basically and that's when we were like 40,000 subscribers it's time to just like quit everything but we always say sorry we always say that no matter who you meet in a meeting whether it's entertainment or whatever career you're working in like that person that you're meeting with that you're interviewing with could totally change jobs in two years and that in two years that could be the next opportunity for you so whether or not you think it's going to be like the I don't know that opportunity you take the fact that you're meeting the person that is what could take you to the next level. It's also a good reason to not burn bridges. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very tight community of people and it's very relational. Yeah.